Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, we are live. Coming to you from the Elite City Resort Hotel here in Kalamata. Kalamata is located in the south of Greece in a region called Messinia. Messinia. And the resort is literally right across the street from the ocean, from the Mediterranean Sea, the Messinian Bay. I tell you, there's nothing I enjoy more than going down to the ocean at about 8 o'clock at night and just floating on my back. It's incredible. But here at the resort, the Elite City Resort, uh, my boys can't get enough of the swimming pool there. They have this amazing swimming pool. They're in there for like four or five hours a day. And uh, I pull those little prunes out and uh, <laughs> just to get them some food. And uh, then we uh, head off to the tennis court. My little guys are playing uh, tennis now and enjoying that immensely. So we are uh, relaxing as best we can. We got here on Tuesday. And the other day we went to the historical center in Kalamata and visited the military museum. Just before that, we were at the March 25th Square, a square that commemorates the beginning of the Greek Revolution, where they declared their independence from Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, in 1821. And Greece had been under the uh, Turkish boot for 400 years, 400 years of slavery. And since then, Greece has seen a great deal of strife, wars and coups and civil wars, but now they're facing an entirely new situation. It's an economic crisis. And for the next hour, we're going to talk about where Greece is at right now. My guest is probably the last investigative journalist in America, maybe anywhere, the last true investigative journalist. In fact, Robert F. Kennedy considers him to be his hero. Greg Palast is known in his native United States for his work as the Observer newspaper in the United Kingdom, where he broke the story of how Jeb Bush purged thousands of black Florida citizens from voter rolls before the 2000 election, thereby handing the White House to his brother George, his report from the theft of the 2000 and 2004 U.S. elections, the spike of the FBI investigations of the bin Ladens before September 11th, the secret State Department documents planning the seizure of Iraq's oil fields have won him a record six Project Censored Awards for reporting the news American media doesn't want you to hear. He's also the author of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, The Vulture's Picnic, and The Best Money Democracy Can Buy. Always a pleasure to have Greg Palace here on The Conspiracy Show. Greg, how are you? Glad to be with you again. Sounds nice. Why is Greece so near and dear to you? You spend a lot of time writing about the situation in Greece. Yes. Well, we're all Greece right now. In fact, my book, uh, Vulture's Picnic, which has a lot on the uh, the economic occupation, reoccupation of Greece, um, my book, Vulture's Picnic, will be released in Greek um, in a few months. So uh, <laughs> look for it there, because um, I won't be able to pick it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope to, to visit you when the book comes out in uh, in Greek. And if you're listening, I know a lot of Canadians are there. For those who read French, will be out in French soon as well. Well, we'd love to uh, to meet you down here. So let's okay. let's talk about what's going on in Greece right now. 
you refer to the dire economic situation here as a planned implosion. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's, well, to me, Greece is a crime scene. But uh, we'll go into the particulars of Greece. But um, you have to understand that the that what we what is seen as a, as the Greek crisis or a disaster is uh, as if it were unplanned. And uh, uh, I'm not a conspiracy nut. I am a conspiracy expert. I've been, you know I used to work for the U.S. Justice Department and attorneys generals on, on that type of thing. But it, it's not so much a conspiracy as as, uh, as a Greece is a victim of a of a theory created by the people who are taking advantage of it right now. There's, uh, the, the one thing, that, just so people understand what's happening in Greece, the, once Greece adopted the euro, there was a short period of kind of a bubble expansion like we had in the U.S. and Canada and elsewhere of real estate values going through the roof, etc., then the economy collapsed. Right now, Greece, I was just looking up the numbers, Greece officially has 27% unemployment. That's the official number. Uh, compare that to the U.S. Great Depression. At its absolute worst, the U.S. Great Depression, we had 26% unemployment. So in other words, unemployment in Greece is actually higher right now than under the U.S. Great Depression. Wow. In addition, the drop in GDP and in, in the economic implosion, the, the, the decline in actual output of the nation, is very close to the U.S. Great Depression as well. And um, the difference being, of course, is that Greece is still sinking. And no one really seems to be is prepared to do anything about it, except um, while Greece drowns the banks and uh, the European Union are pouring water on this drowning nation. And also that includes um, Greek uh, Cyprus, which is suffering the same fate, um, if not worse, at this moment. So now how does this happen? Was this some untold, unforeseen disaster. No, I wish uh, and it, that's, that's too, uh, that's uh, ridiculous. The, why, what does this have to do with the euro? Everything. The euro was not created, was not created to create, uh, as, as the fantasy line goes, the science fiction story of the birth of the euro, is that it was to unify Europe and to also create a strong currency which could compete with the U.S. dollar. Well, first of all, it obviously hasn't unified Europe. Um, in fact, uh, basically, Europe has made war on Greece. Um, you know, and instead of a German invasion, you just have a German purchase of the economy. Um, uh, you know, Germany's uh, banks are doing what uh, Hitler only dreamed of in terms of taking over control of Greece. Um, so it's not unifying Europe at all. It, it's allowing um, the the wealthier states and the wealthier portions of states to to seize and and wring the uh, wring the the wealth out of the out of the weaker states. So it's not unifying, and uh, it's it's anything but unifying. It's tearing Europe apart into pieces. Um, How did Greece? Managed to get into the eurozone. In um, you were sold out. 
uh, the, the, the Greece, like like any invasion, and all successful invasions are only successful because there's a fifth column on the inside. In Greece, it's the one percent. It's it's the very wealthy in Greece who um, now are doing very are getting wealthier. Let's not forget that that what's happened. You know, when the when the Greek economy started dying, um, their solution of the European Union was austerity, that is, cutting government budgets, pensions, everything else, which is everything we've ever learned about economics since the Great Depression in the U.S. is the last thing you do in the Depression is reduce government spending. So they knew what, you know, they, they claimed, I just was looking it up, the European Union said, oh, yes, if we force Greece to cut employment, it will actually cause the economy to decline by 5.5%. Well, the economy quickly declined by 17.5%. Now, by the way, I don't believe that they didn't know that. that that's, you, if you have all these so-called expert economists, they're not stupid. They're not wrong. They knew exactly what would happen. Um, so why would they do this? Why? What is the advantage of, of smashing an economy on the rocks, of throwing one in four people out of work, of uh, people's wages being slashed and cut, people losing their pensions. There's even, for the first time in generations, there's starvation in Greece. Um, it, is, um, it is barely qualifying as a third world country. It is quickly moving to kind of central African status. And there is nothing which is impeding its fall at the moment. So we know from Basic. I mean, for example, the United States uh, under George Bush, even when when Bush under Bush, when the economy imploded in '07 um, through the Federal Reserve, pumped four trillion dollars into the economy. A, a process continued by by Obama and the U.S. I wouldn't call it a roaring recovery, but we have technically recovered from the recession in the United States, and that's because we did exactly the opposite of what the European Union ordered Greece to do, and Spain, Portugal, Italy, um, etc. And uh, so why would they do that? The answer is that some people are really making out quite well in this so-called crisis. The Greeks, uh, the, you know, basically Greek Properties from beachfront and uh, to industries, ports, um, you know, just about everything that isn't nailed down is now for sale at a fire sale price. Uh, the elite of uh, Greece are are uh, sucking up the assets. They're not losing. They've already moved their money into U.S. dollars. They don't believe in the euro, and they're using dollars to buy up these assets. Um, the um, you know, obviously, the Germans are moving in quite big with their cash. And, um, you know, maybe you'll be lucky and the Chinese will throw in a few bucks. But basically, uh, Greece's, all of Greece's assets are going down the drain and being sold out. So once again, you talked about 400 years of occupation by the Ottoman Empire. Well, now you'll be under the occupation of the, I'm laughing because it's just so tragic. It's almost, it's a joke. Uh, you'll be under the occupation of the uh, Euro Empire. Um, you know what's remarkable? And, yeah. Despite all of this, horrible news on the economic front. You don't hear people complaining down here. They just get on with their lives. They've seen worse. 
Well, the question is, is that good? I think one of the things that's been very disappointing to me in both uh, Cyprus, uh, um, Greek Cyprus and in Greece, is almost, while there were some riots early on that people were horrified when people were killed and when the, a bank was burnt down, because um, uh, there's no value in, in Greeks killing Greeks, but the, the kind of almost strange passivity here is uh, astonishing. Part of it is that you don't have an alternative party in Greece, which is basically all parties um, have committed themselves to um, the European, to the Euro Titanic. And are hey, willing I've got to, to take a time off your break. Yeah. Let me just jump in. We'll, uh, we'll pick up on the other side. Investigative journalist, rogue investigative journalist, New York Times bestselling author Greg Palace here on The Conspiracy Show talking the planned implosion of Greece. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the Elite City Resort in Kalamata, Greece, a country in deep, deep crisis, a financial chasm uh, that they've fallen into, and perhaps even in free fall. Author, investigative reporter, Greg Pallast is with us. Uh, Greg, I was mentioning before the break that they don't complain here in Greece. That I, I don't mean to suggest that they're not angry. I mean, Greeks virtually invented politics. I mean, they talk about it constantly. But what I mean to say is they don't complain in the sense that, oh, woe is me. And one of the things that, that angers me about the portrayal of Greece in the media is that they are lazy and shipless and uh, you know th th this image we have of Greece is yeah. sore but the Greek you did a wonderful job in one of your uh, recent articles comparing the Greek worker to his European counterparts in places like Germany yeah. or even the American worker could you sort of recap what you were saying about it, the it, Greek worker yeah well first of all the myth is is that the Greek workers did it to the. What happens? The reason Greece is in pro, is in trouble because Greeks are just lazy, uh, olive pit spitting, ouzo swilling characters who um, base uh, who you know retire when they're teenagers and uh, only work seven hours a week or something. You know, this is the this is the myth that's been put out by uh, the New York Times, for example. You'll see this. Uh, Washington Post, uh, the uh, you know the, the big media, and um, and of course the Germans are using this line. But just just let me get the facts clear: those Greeks who do have jobs work an average of six hundred and nineteen hours a year more than their germ than German workers. Let me repeat that: they work. The average Greek worker puts in an extra six. Hundred hours a year. Okay, so um, basically, work the average Greek worker puts in about an extra six, seven weeks of work, while the Germans are um, off on cruises, ex uh, expecting Greeks to be serving them pina coladas. That's what's going on. So you get this idea, and you have some of your own Greek politicians. Who are part of the, who created this crisis, and they are blaming Greeks. The idea is always to blame. And this is true. You blame the Cypriots. You blame every nation in crisis. Um, when uh, California's in, when we have in in, in um, North America, 
when um, we had the foreclosure market. Oh, it's people borrowing money uh, for homes that they can't afford, which is also baloney. So it's always the economic oligarchs are always saying it's their victims who are to blame. And you had a minister, uh, Theodorus um, uh, Pangalos, who uh, was deputy prime minister, one of the key people who brought, helped bring uh, Greece to its knees. And I have an article, My Big Fat Greek Minister, which I call, I refer to him as the fat bastard. And I rarely speak of people's weight, but you have to see this guy. He looks like, like he's pregnant with triplets. And I, I bring that out only because, for the, as I've said, reading stories of starvation among school children in Greece while this guy is blaming them, blaming these hungry victims for what he did. Greece is a crime scene. And by the way, when I talk about the euro, the, understand what the euro has done. The euro, um, it was created, was invented by a guy named Robert Mundell. And I've spoken to Mundell at length. He's a professor. He's, by the way, he's not European. He's an American, uh, born in Canada, uh, teaches at Columbia, ultra-right wing. His most famous creation before the euro was something called supply-side economics, or Reaganomics, Thatchernomics, or what, um, or what uh, George Bush Sr. called voodoo economics. So the creator of the complete nonsense voodoo economics, and by the way, the, just in case people actually think that Reagan actually was an economic genius, using his voodoo economics, we ended up with the highest unemployment rate um, in American history since the Great Depression. Um, for no reason. It's not like we had the situation like with the implosion of the housing market lately. I mean, was, we had close 10% unemployment under Ronald Reagan. Um, and uh, that's the guy who invented the euro and created Reaganomics. And what he told me was pretty brutal. You know, uh, I, when I say that the euro destroyed was meant to destroy the Greek economy, that was indeed the plan. According to Mundell, when you create the euro, by definition, when, as soon as you take away a nation's currency, uh, that means that they cannot... Uh, there's no monetary policy for that nation. There's no fiscal policy for that nation. In case you wonder what monetary policy is, this is very simple. By the way, if, when I'm t- telling you this, keep in mind that I'm, I'm an economist by training. And the reason I spoke to Mundell is I was a student of, of uh, Milton Friedman at the University of Chicago, which is where I got my degree in economics. And That's right. uh, you may be surprised to hear that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, so I actually Nothing met all these right. right-wing freaks, right? And so the uh, um, it, so Mundell told me he says okay you lose ec- monetary policy you lose economic policy uh, fiscal policy which is your ability to set interest rates um, and to uh, and you use budget you lose budgetary control in Europe because you've got a rule that says you can't have more than a three percent deficit. Uh, which is ridiculous it's insane no nation runs a three just a three percent deficit in recession. Uh, you have to run it. The United States ran a 9% to 11% deficit in the last couple of years to pull ourselves out of recession. And Greeks are being told, you may not do that. You may not do what has been, what has been successful in the United States, successful in Brazil, successful in China to, to reverse the recession. Um, you but can't you don't have do control that. Of your currency. You don't have a country, essentially. You don't have so your own country. Basically, basically, and he said, me. and he even 
If, By the way, just so you know, in case you're wondering, is are, they are they anti-democratic? Yeah, Mundell said the point of the euro is to have something that's more powerful than parliaments or congresses. And in other words, you don't elections mean nothing. Democracy, the euro is the death is by definition the death of democracy because your parliament, the Greek parliament, is, has to sit there helpless because it has no fiscal, monetary, or budgetary policies. So what happens is. And so why would someone create this? He said very specifically, this will destroy labor unions. This will be the end of government ownership of, of, uh, of industry. So, so what you have, that's massive privatizations, the end of, uh, of labor union wages and powers, the destruction of public pension funds. Now you'd say, is this guy some type of monster? No, he's a, he is a monetarist. He is a, uh, he's someone who truly believes in the complete uh, liberation of the market. He's a follower of another un of uh, Schumpeter who believes in the concept of what's called creative destruction. That if you just rip apart an economy completely, just rip it apart, and you'll go through this period of tremendous pain, at the other end of, the, of all this pain and unemployment, this complete disaster and sell-off of your properties and industries increase, at the end of it, you'll end up with this free market paradise. Because now you'll be freed of, of tyrannical labor unions and government control of industry, and your regulations will be gone because uh, you'll, you know, that's going to go next. So then you will have this free market utopia, and Greece will now be you know, this new uh, raging uh, um, uh, economy. And if you can just hold your breath underwater for a couple more years, you're going to come out of this as the strongest, fastest growing economy in Europe. And that's a theory of creative destruction that is behind, that is the, the theoretical basis of the euro. Um, unfortunately, in my experience as an economist, I've seen a lot with these theories. I've seen a lot of destruction. I'm still waiting for the creation. Now, Greg, on the face of it, Greece entering the euro doesn't make any sense on another level to me. And that is, how can you have a, a juggernaut economy like Germany? And, you know, their currency, the Deutschmark, uh, and, and the drachma, which is sort of the loan, the loan currency on the totem pole. How can you have Greece and Germany under the same currency umbrella? Germany has industry. Greece has nothing but sand and sun. Right. Well, in fact, um, interestingly, Mundell, who created the euro, the theoretical basis of the euro, and invented it, he originally called it the Europa, won the Nobel Prize for a theory called Optimal Currency Areas. And as I noted to him, um, the euro is not an optimal currency area. In fact, it's a dismal currency area. You, in fact, you said it exactly. Optimal currency areas should have the same exact industrial profile and economic profile. Greece is based on tourism and agriculture and shipping. Germany is based on heavy industry. Now, uh, that means you have completely different economies, which should therefore have completely different currencies. In fact, that's, it is an absolute um, rule of Mundell's theories that, that Greece and Germany should be in two different currencies. So I said, how, would you, how come they're in one currency? He said, because this is not about optimal currency. This is about ridding um, Europe of the ter of the terrible and tyrannical welfare state. He owns a a 
a, a villa in Tuscany, and he was complaining to me that he wasn't allowed to put a toilet in where he wanted because of all the crazy rules, in his opinion, that require him to preserve this ancient uh, villa. And he doesn't want, you know, he says, all that should be destroyed. Forget the ancient villas. Forget the Parthenon. So sell it off. I bet you, if you, you know, if you, if you took it apart piece by piece and sold each piece of the Parthenon, probably make a lot of money. And then you could pay off some of your debts to Germany. Um, I'm joking about that one, but, you know, but basically, I'm not kidding. This is behind the theory. Now, Mundell's not powerful enough to have imposed this monstrosity currency on Greece. It was done by um, a small group of Greeks and other Europeans and, and uh, American uh, banking interests who saw a good way to uh, pick apart. Uh, there's a lot of nice stuff in Greece uh, worth buying up cheap. And they uh, they're getting it. So that that in fact, I call Greece a crime scene. And I asked Pangalos, I said, so why sh- if you know that when the economy of um, Iceland collapsed, the uh, prime minister of the time has now been uh, put in prison because uh, has been arrested and is facing criminal charges because. He knew and covered up the fact that the banks were going down and forced the public to take on those debts and destroyed the economy. Now, Pangalos, as deputy prime minister, and I'm not just blaming him there, it's just that I was able to grab him at a, when I was, I happened to cross paths with him in Kazakhstan of all places. Uh, so at I was the able buffet to table. confront him. Huh? What? <laughs> yeah. At the buffet table. <laughs> yeah, at the buffet table, of course. And um, the uh, so I was able to con- you know confront him, but you have a, several Greek uh, ministers, presidents, prime ministers, finance ministers of both your major parties, both parties, um, and that includes you know Papandreou and Samaras, the whole the whole gang. They secretly agreed to work with uh, to work secret deals. With Goldman Sachs and secondarily J.P. Morgan in in, in uh, Spain, Italy, it was mostly J.P. Morgan. In Greece, it was mostly Goldman Sachs to come up with a way to hide the government deficits. Why would you hide a government deficit? Why? What's the big secret? The answer is you're not allowed to join or stay in the euro if your deficit is more than three percent. Of the gross domestic product, it, it, which is a very basically, you can't have run deficits, which is silly. You know, governments are, um, you know, g- governments must run deficits. They're supposed to, if, when the economy goes down, there's no other way to do it, uh, and it's the only way to survive. It's basic, you know, the basic findings of Keynes. And in fact, that goes back to Marx and Adam Smith as well. It's not that Keynes invented it. Marx talked about in crisis capitalism, demand drops and and capitalism tumbles into crisis. So Keynes said, so what we do is we use the government to build up demand. Well, um, the uh, you could kind of say that your government is very Marxist because it believes that, um, except that they believe that capitalism ought to be in crisis. <laughs> Crisis has its uses. Like I say, you buy up the country cheap. But what happens, there's a secret agreement. Sorry, Greg, let me jump in here. Yeah. Mm Got to take another time out. We'll come back. Greg Palace talking about the planned implosion of Greece right here on The Conspiracy Show, live from Kalamata and the Elite City Resort.
This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we are back, coming to you live from the Lake City Resort in Kalamata, in uh, Messinia, southern part of Greece. Looking out the window here, I'm uh, situated in the conference room at the Aqua Club, looking out over the Messinian Bay. The sun is coming up here. It's just past 7.30. And uh, the uh, the sun is just sparkling like diamonds. It's a beautiful, breathtaking country, uh, but obviously in deep crisis. And uh, that's why we have Greg Palast here to talk about it. He's the author of A Billionaires and Ballad Bandits, Vulture's Picnic, and the New York Times bestsellers Armed Madhouse, the best democracy money can buy. You can see him frequently on uh, BBC television, occasionally on CBC television in uh, Canada, and uh, read him in the Guardian newspaper, but you won't read him in the New York Times or the Washington Post. He's practically in exile in his own country. Uh, Greg, I wanted to ask you about the debt that, that uh, Greece is supposed to pay back. Who do they owe that money well, originally, this is one of the, the this is what I was talking about, Greece is a crime scene. I, I described this in Vulture's Picnic. Um, and a lot, and by the way, I don't want to take credit for this discovery. Uh, I just put together a lot of the material. Um, there's Spiegel and, and uh, you know, my associate, Ms. Badpenny, who speaks four languages, is able to put material together from all the various European papers. Um, but what we were able to find out is that Goldman Sachs had a secret deal for several years with both parties of the Greek government to hide the, the deficit. And the way that they did it was to play games with currency swaps, uh, you know, using the Japanese yen in particular, where it looked as if the Greek government was making billions of dollars in trades on currencies, when in fact the Greek government was not making any money at all. It was all phony paper trades. It was a massive, massive multi-billion dollar fraud. And in fact, um, so Goldman Sachs charged $400 million for running this scam. I mean, that's almost a half a billion dollars. In addition, because it was a fraud, as soon as as soon as the true deficit was uncovered, of course, and Greek bondholders totally flipped out, uh, finding out that Greece didn't have the money to pay them back. This has all been a fraud committed by Goldman Sachs. And as I said, J.P. Morgan did the same for um, Italy and Spain. Um, so when the truth came out, or at least some of the truth is worse than, than whatever came out, the bondholders that were left holding the, the, the bag of feces, um, demanded usurious interest rates. So suddenly, while Germany is borrowing money at 3%, Greece is borrowing in euros, remember it has to use the same currency, has to borrow at 16 and 17%. Absolutely insane math. No one, no nation, no person, no company can possibly survive by borrowing at that type of interest spread. That's just loan sharking stuff. Um, you're dead once you do that. Um, and uh, so instead of Greece saying, well, we're just not going to pay, they borrow and continue. The Greek government went along with borrowing at these massive rates from, you know, that's the other thing that, you know, Goldman Sachs destroys the economy through this fraud. You know, participate, the government participated in it. 
uh, but Goldman Sachs is making money on that. And then make, Goldman Sachs makes money on on uh, lending the money when the Greece is drowning at this massive interest rate. J.P. Morgan, too. Now, did they take any losses? No. When the bottom finally fell out of the Greek debt, the European Central Bank bought out all just about every bank's um, um, position. So none of these banks took a hit because they simply um, uh, turned the uh, uh, when the European uh, Central Bank decided to buy out uh, you know so-called bailout Greece. They weren't bailing out Greece. Greeks got not a dime, not one euro, not one shekel out of the um, the European Central Bank. It all went to the bankers to whom Greece owed money. The idea that, that Greece is bailed out is nonsense. And obviously, if, if you're in Greece, you know that because everything's being sold off. Wages are dropping. Unemployment businesses are closing. So where is the bailout? Because all the money went to these bankers. So they, the bankers crashed the economy and then made a lot of money off it. Now, not, now European Central Bank now controls almost all owns all the debt and other central uh, um, and other central banks within the European Union and the US Treasury owns a lot of uh, debt from the European Union and central banks of Greece etc but about 3% of the debt was held by a group of characters in Vultures Picnic that gave the book its title the financial vultures in particular a guy named Paul Singer of New York by a company called Elliott Management, he went to the Greek government and said, I, I'm not, no, you can't pay me off. No, he bought the bonds at about 30% of their face value. He would not accept 100%. He demanded 200%. So roughly, this guy demanded 10 times what he paid for the bonds, 1,000% profit, and the Greek government gave him every penny he demanded. Because he said, if you don't give me every penny I demand, I'm going to crash not only the rest of the Greek economy, but I'm going to seize, move and try to seize all the assets in all the other countries who received any money from Greece. I'll try to seize that money. It's a trick that the vultures use. So they basically take governments that are deeply in debt and they basically hold them out for ransom. It's a trap. Greg, now we've got to take a time out. Now, yeah, okay. We'll come back with Greg Palast as we talk about the economic crisis in Greece. Here on the conspiracy, should we don't go away? The truth will set you free, but first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Rogue investigative journalist Greg Palast is with us. He takes a lot of people off. He's the author of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, Vulture's Picnic, and the New York Times bestsellers, Armed Madhouse, and The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. We're talking about the economic crisis in Greece. Greg, should Greece simply default on these loans, pull out of the euro, and go back to the drachma, or is it late to do that even? Well, it's late because you've already given away so much of your country to the Germans. It's late because so many Greeks have already lost their jobs. The industry's gone down the tubes. The action should have been taken before. But the drachma is good enough for Plato, and I think it'll be good enough for you. Uh, one thing that the euro—I mean, the truth is—is is that the uh, the euro is 
is eating is a disease, and to stay in the Euro leper colony is the what nations are doing to stay within the leper colony is insane. All you do is get leprosy. Uh, you've got to get out. You've got to escape. Now, uh, to give you the example of a successful escape, you have to look at Argentina. Now, Argentina right now is fighting that same vulture, Paul Singer. Uh, but Argentina told the banks to stick it. They told the IMF to go to hell. And while the Argentines did not have the U.S. dollar, the Argentine peso was locked one-to-one to the U.S. dollar. So it was almost part of the same currency zone as the U.S. So just like there was tremendous fear of leaving the uh, U.S. currency because it was locked one-to-one, uh, just like uh, Greeks have a fear of leaving uh, of leaving the euro because they're told the sky will fall. Well, I hate to say it, the sky has fallen in Greece. It com- it's completely fallen, and it's still falling. Uh, the Argentines said, go to hell, told the banks to stick it, the IMF to stick it, unhooked from the U.S. currency, and became the booming engine of South America. And then Brazil followed their example and became, you know, the great shining leader. And if it wasn't for, the great irony, if it wasn't for the booming Argentine economy and the booming Brazilian economy, um, and no matter what they say about the booming Venezuelan economy, same thing, unhooking, um, the, um, uh, the world would have been much worse off. Thank God these economies were still roaring away when the rest of the world was on its knees. But Argentina went through the same thing and still fighting these guys in U.S. courts about with the bondholders. Uh, you know, Paul Singer wants, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 50 times what he paid for Argentine bonds. And they're saying, screw you. We're not paying. Too bad. And, uh, you know, when the U.S. government uh, stomps its feet and they say, well, you know, tell you what, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, we can retaliate, too. Same with Ecuador. Ecuador, I spoke to the president of, uh, you know, for BBC television, I spoke with the president of Ecuador, and he said, I'm not going to pay these vultures. These are you serious bonds. The banks ripped us off through fraud. I, you know, the one good thing uh, for the people of Ecuador is that the president is also an economist. He also, actually, we were both economists in Illinois. Um, he spent a lot of his life in America as an economist, came down, became president of uh, Ecuador, and said, I know the system, I'm an economist, and I know what you guys are doing to us, and we're not buying it anymore. And uh, you know what? Instead of the, the sky didn't fall, in fact, the Ecuadorian economy is booming, Argentina is booming, Brazil is booming, and all the other nations which have followed this you know, system of telling the, uh, the, the banks to go to hell are doing very, very well. And the other great irony is that honest banks can't wait to lend them more money. They are, <laughs> it's, it's the great irony of it all is, you know, you're told, oh, you'll never be able to borrow a dime again. What can Greek, Greece borrow now? Greece can't borrow a dime for its own economy. You're only borrowing money to pay off other banks. So, yes, yeah, should Greece leave the leper colony? Um, I would say so. I'd say run for the exits. Yes. And they say, oh, well, that will cause a crisis. You're in crisis in Greece. You're in, it's, a, it's a disaster. It's like saying, well, if we're in, we're in the Titanic, should we just, you know, 
what sh- well, I suggest you get into the lifeboat. Is the answer? Get out of there. I mean, it's 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 staring you in the face, and yet what's that take for Germany? Who aren't if Greece were to exit? Because it seems to me that the Germany is benefiting. Uh, here we have a combination Deutschmark drachma. If it weren't for the drachma. Germany wouldn't be able to export goods anywhere because no one would be able to afford them. That's right. See, what Germany did is pulled off a terrific trick, a terrible con job. The Deutschmark was overvalued. So what you do is, is that you, you overvalue the southern European currencies so that you, in other words, normally a currency devalues. You can devalue your currency if you're in crisis to um, increase your exports and reduce your imports to build up your own treasury. That's a normal thing that, that every country in crisis can and should do. The thing is, you can't devalue the euro. You're stuck with the German currency. I mean, by the way, that's the other thing. It's a joke to call the euro, to even use the name here. It's the Deutschmark, except that you're stuck with it. So you're under the, the Greek people... Uh, the Italians, the Portuguese, the, the Spanish, the Cypriots, the Greek Cypriots, the Turkish Cypriots are doing quite well, um, are under the a German currency occupation. And it's absolutely, utterly devastating, and yet you're being told something terrible will happen if you leave it. Well, how much more terrible can it get? What does it take? Like I say, the numbers show, the official numbers put Greece as worse off than the United States under the Great Depression. How much worse can it get? These are the people that, that said when the so-called crisis started in 2009, when it was revealed that the Greek government had hit its deficits, and again, that was in conspiracy with Goldman Sachs, that when it began in 2009, the European Union said the economy will have to we're, is going to fall by five percent. It's fallen by nearly eighteen percent. These guys are lying when they say that oh it'll be even worse if you leave the euro. Impossible. There is nothing worse. There is basic. You're at the point where there's really no um, equal in history. You're now getting to the point where the Greek economy is actually falling faster than any economy in world history that I know of. Um, the only thing that, that equals it really um, is, uh, frankly, is Germany itself at the very end of World War II uh, when uh, the nation was smashed for about one year. And then it was built up quickly under the U.S. Marshall Plan. But well, speaking um, of the, World War II, yeah. Yeah. you know, the Italians, at the behest of Hitler, invaded Greece in, I believe it was October of 1940, and Mussolini sent a a demand to the uh, Greek prime minister that they surrender. And yes. the taxes sent a terse one-word response back to the Italians, which was, ohi, no. And, of course, ohi day is celebrated every year uh, in Greek communities throughout the world. It sounds to me like Greece needs another ohi day. Yeah, and um, it won't be easy because I, I do remember also during World War II that um, that uh, Britain bombed Athens when the communist um, partisans um, started pushing out the uh, the Axis powers out of Athens, 
And so the idea was to, they, instead of bombing the Nazis, they bombed the, the, the uh, partisans fighting the Nazis. Um, and so th- you're not gonna, they're not going to let you go so easily, but, uh, as the Argentines found out. But uh, you might want to just connect your, your currency then to Argentina or Brazil and forget connecting to, um, to Germany. A very poor idea. And so, yeah, it, uh, it, you need a no day. Uh, the banks, you're just going to have to, the, it, the process is simple. You create a drachma, which is one for one for the euro, and, you, and then all debts can, are payable in the drachma, which are printed by your government, and you pay off all the debts in drachma and say, there you are, <laughs> to the bankers, and goodbye. And if you want to sue us or do whatever you want to do, but too bad. And this is what Argentina did with great, great success. You know, I mean, yeah, they'll scream at you and there'll be uh, all kinds of uh, dislocations. But also Argentina then had to take back a lot of the stolen property. Like its oil company was privatized. They didn't, they didn't take it back directly. What they did was they just taxed the Spaniards who had uh, seized the company for peanuts. And they just said, okay, you made a lot of money. We're just going to tax it back. Um, there's many ways to take these properties back that have been stolen. And then you have your own currency to refinance your factories and your businesses so they can reopen. Um, and that's how it's going to have to be. That's the only way it can work. Um, and will there be banks screaming and trying to seize uh, Greek assets around the world? Yes. But what are they doing now? They're trying to seize Greek assets all over the world. It's, it's, there's no, literally, there's no way to make things worse than they are now. It, Greece is absolutely at the very bottom and still sinking. It is impossible for a switch back to the drachma to make it worse. The unfortunate aspect of this, as there are many obviously, but one of them is the, the rise of the fascist right here in Greece, and that's the yeah. Golden Dawn Party that has won seats in Parliament, which is, you know, it flies in the face of Greek history. They have stood up against fascism uh, time and time again, and now here we have this insidious cancer uh, making its way into onto the political uh, scene here. Yeah, well, that's the danger. That? Because there's no progressive, strong progressive alternative. There was a, a party. I mean, you did have your third party, I guess, Syriza, which, which had, which did initially take a strong position. As soon as it gets in government, it became another sellout organization, which joined the club. And so, what happens is when there's a vacuum, there's a vacuum in which there is no party which is taking a strong pro-Greek position. So you end up with, with the kind of brown shirt fascist reaction, which is, let's blame immigrants. Suddenly it's Albanian immigrants or something. You know, it's, like, it's, it's almost a bad joke. It's almost like the, you know, the, the, the uh, Mel Brooks film, The Producers. You know, like, it's like uh, it, it is to suddenly, like as if all the problems of Greece, which is a which is a disaster created by uh, by the imposition of a Deutschmark euro, by banking conspiracies, um, by massive fraud, by uh, leaders and the and the wealthy in Greece, and suddenly you're going to blame a bunch of people who uh, float over by boat. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, sick. It's sad. It's silly, but it's also extremely extremely dangerous because we have seen people get who are desperate and don't know what to do and are hungry and unemployed who will 
given no alternative, progressive alternative, will turn to fascism. And, uh, you know, blame the immigrants, you know, blame the Jews, blame uh, whoever, you know, whoever they exactly. can latch on to except the people that are really robbing them blind. Well, despite all this horrible news, Greg, I'm still betting on the Greeks. I'm betting on Greece. My, my lovely bride, the mighty Aphrodite, is trying to start an olive oil business here. Uh, she's trying to finish her father's house and, and, and build uh, a life for us so we can spend part of our, our uh, year here. Uh, let's just, uh, you know, keep our fingers crossed and hope for another OC day and the people will rise up. Greg, thanks for your uh, time. Always yeah. appreciate it. Anytime. And gregpalace.com for continuing reports on Greece. And I'll see you in Athens in a couple months. Okay. Looking forward to it, Greg. Greg Palace. All right. The website is richardsarek.com. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Sarek. And as always, follow the truth wherever it leads.